Happy Wednesday, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. Welcome aboard. Thanks so much for letting me be a part of your day, for hanging out. I appreciate it. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com and uh, on Twitter at Pete Callender, where uh, I think we made a Democratic congressional candidate cry. Uh it's the only thing I can, you know, it's the only thing I can assume because he's now gone on a uh, <clears throat> bit of a block fest. He's blocking everybody. Well, I mean, he said some really stupid things. And, uh, you know, people were calling him out on it. And I was just uh, reminded here that, or not I even reminded because I didn't, I didn't remember it at all. I, I didn't even notice it. Apparently in his bio, he says, I talk with everyone. <laughs> uh, no, no, he doesn't. Uh, if he calls all Southerners racist, knuckle-dragging, you know, poor folks who uh, are just constantly playing the victim and all of this, and that's why the South is so poor. And for some reason, that was not a winning message in his congressional campaign for North Carolina's District 5 <laughs> for covering a lot of parts of Appalachia. And the <laughs> Really? That didn't, win, that didn't win hearts and minds. That's so weird. No, I'm not going to give his name. All right, so did you watch the uh, former president's speech last night at Mar-a-Lago? I did, uh, because I am uh, a cool person, not a loser. I watched it on the WBT live stream with Brett Winterbull. He hosted the... I do have to ask him when I do the... Because we always pass each other when he comes in to do the uh, the show at 3, and I you know pack all my stuff up, and I uh, get out of his way. And uh, so i got to ask him how he's able to do his show from so high up above the city skyline. It's amazing to me. Like I did not know he could fly. It's the only thing I can ascertain given the, <laughs> the skyline backdrop. I got to get one of those. I like those. I think it's one of those. I think they put it because nowadays, like that is one of the things I will say also that the pandemic did bring us right. The pandemic, first off, it allowed people the, um, uh, uh, the grace it gave it gave us all grace for you know messed up video audio quality that wasn't the best you know people were are now willing to put up with a whole lot more of these imperfections in the broadcast than they used to be and so for that I am grateful Wuhan Lab um, you've made us all like that guy uh, that was doing the interview and his little kids come you know rolling in behind him in the it's not a stroller. What do you call those things? Where the kid sits in the thing and it's like a round thing and it rolls around. It's got the little table in front of them. It's all part of this little round thing and they and they can walk around, you know, but it keeps them from banging into walls and it's got the little tray in the front where they eat all their Cheerios and stuff. What is that? What, what are those things called? I think they're called walkers. Walkers? Is that it? That makes sense. Just like the Walking Dead, same thing. <laughs> not a coincidence, I'm sure. Anyway, you got the... Uh, uh, the guy who was doing the interview and the kids come in and then the mom comes in, tries to grab him out and it's like hilarious and all that. And then like fast forward a year or two and like we're all that guy. So I do appreciate that, that the pandemic did uh, that for us. Um, also, the pandemic also has allowed uh, for the uh, the greater availability of the background images, I think. Right. Like I've seen like you, it's now built into almost all of these platforms, which is pretty cool. Like, I'm the idiot now because I actually decorated my background. I, like, put all this stuff up on the walls and everything to make it, you know, I was trying to get a high room raider score. 
and they don't even know I exist. Whatever. I'm not bitter. All right, so did you watch the speech? I watched it with uh, uh, on the live stream that Brett did yesterday, last evening. And I'm curious, first off, if, like, I, I would be curious to see the ratings because I think everybody kind of knew what was coming. And if the crowd, like, I saw a picture of after, how, uh, after Trump announced, and it was pretty early on. The speech ran, I want to say, a little bit over an hour. I think Brett said it was like 70 minutes. And, um, Apparently he made the, not apparently, he did, he made the announcement, the official announcement that he was running pretty early on, like within the first 15 or 20 minutes, I want to say, and then he kept going for another 40. And it wasn't, and I think this is largely due to the venue and maybe the time, but I think mainly the venue, which was one of the ballrooms at Mar-a-Lago, and it's just a different vibe than, you know, an outdoor rally or even an indoor, but a big rally, you know, in a, in a, auditorium or a stadium or something. I think there's just a different vibe there. And I saw a picture where there were a ton of people that were trying to leave and they were blocked from leaving, (laughs) which I don't know, maybe David Tepper at the Panthers might consider looking at something like that. Okay. Um, Well, I I think that's how Matt rule got fired, right? Or one of the reasons. Anyway, the uh, uh, point here is that I think this speech was kind of uh, lackluster. And I've seen people over the course of uh, of Trump's presidency, he would uh, they would they had different names for it. And I don't remember the names. It's not important. But you can tell, you know, sometimes he would give a speech and it was, dare I call it, Jeb like, you know, low energy. And that's what it was last night. And I don't think I tend to agree with the criticism. And this isn't of Trump, but this is of his speech writers. I don't think he's had particularly great speech writers in his uh, political life. And some, and that's why I think he does better and he's more energetic and he's more entertaining during the rallies because he goes off on riffs all the time at the rallies. And I think last night wasn't the time for that. I give him credit. I think the focus was appropriate. He started, he talked about uh, the things that, uh, you know, that he accomplished and that he wants to finish or continue doing. Uh, he hit Biden on, you know, the inflation, the economy, crime, the border, uh, Afghanistan, uh, Russia, China, uh, corruption at the DOJ. Uh, so he, he he hit all of these high points, and he gave, I think, for the most part, a forward-looking message, a vision. He didn't he didn't go off on the you know the the stolen election and relitigating twenty twenty. He didn't go off on all that stuff, but the delivery was was more low key. It was just more of reading of the prompter. He would do a little bit of the riffing, just a little bit, a sentence here, a sentence there, but not a lot like he does at the rallies. And who was it? Sean Trend at Real Clear Politics. Not a fan of Trump, by the way. But he said, even as a detractor, I always had to admit that one thing Trump had going for him was he spoke, but you never really saw a 70-something-year-old man. Tonight, he really looked like a 70-something-year-old man. And I think that's I think that's accurate because I I was the same way. I was I'm always amazed. Trump has he's one of these guys that he can sleep for like, you know, 47 minutes or something a night. And that's enough for him. I mean, I'm jealous. I wish I could do that. I cannot. I need a minimum six hours minimum. And usually I'm up by seven hours. But like people who live off of four or five hour sleeps, I'm always, uh, always amazed at that. And Trump was always one of those guys. Biden, definitely not. Biden sleeps like four or five hours 
like two or three times a day. That's what he's up to nowadays, I believe. So Trump did seem to be a little bit older because he is right, obviously. Um, But I think part of that was the venue as well. And it also brings up and trend uh, Sean trends point here is a reminder that if it is in fact going to be Trump and Biden again, first off boomers, I hate you. Secondly, uh, we are going to have, you know, choices. Our choice is going to be what between these two guys are going to be pushing 80 when they get sworn in. So I'm not trying to be ageist or anything, but man, come on. Can, can, can a Gen Xer have, have one presidency? Just one. It's, I'm not asking for much, just one. And then the millennials will take it over and ruin the whole country. Just one Gen Xer. One. That's all I ask. All right. So what did you think of the speech? I'll go over some of the highlights of it. I'm not going to play uh, the audio or anything because you, you've heard the clips. And honestly, there wasn't a lot of stuff in there that you haven't already heard. I think Brett called it last night, playing the greatest hits. Uh, and uh, and that's accurate. So if you got comments on this, I'm happy to take them. I also have some of the reaction, but also some more of the analysis that's coming out about now we're getting some of the numbers and we can actually find out why the red wave was the ripple. So we'll get into all of that and your calls. I do not want to try the new tweet deck preview. Stop it. No, it's so annoying. Covers up half of the block. Oh my gosh, these people, I swear. Why do the people who design these things never use the product? Ah. Sorry. Anyway, Donald Trump gets mixed results from presidential announcement at Mar-a-Lago. This is from dailywire.com. Former President Donald Trump received mixed reactions from the political right to his announcement Tuesday night that he was launching a third presidential campaign. Trump made the announcement in Florida as Mar-a-Lago estate in front of a crowd of supporters after he filed the paperwork, the federal paperwork, required to run for president. His announcement came despite calls from top former aides, including Kaylee McEnany and Jason Miller, that he should postpone his election announcement until after the U.S. Senate runoff election in Georgia. My fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now, he declared. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for the president of the United States, which I think everybody knew was coming, right? Did you watch it last night? What are your thoughts? 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. We'll start off here with Ralph. Hello, Ralph. Welcome to the program. How are you? Good afternoon, Pete. Doing well. A lot better since it's not raining and the sun's out. Yeah. But, uh, I... As a independent voter who voted for Trump twice and everything, my message is to all conservatives, if he is the nominee and everything, get behind him. Because your hatred for not voting for him hurts people like me, Pete. I'm 63. And if Trump would have got back in, I mean, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel about retirement. Mm -hmm. I have... A lot of my friends that own small business, as such as myself, some of them went out of business during this COVID and, and, and due to all these things culminating together. So if you vote out of hatred against Trump, even if he is the nominee, you're not hurting him. You're hurting the people like me and, and <laughs> no. us, other individuals. So what, I owe you my vote now? I owe, So I owe the Republicans my vote? I owe you my vote? 
Well, I, well, it's, I'm saying if you if you're conservative and you have conservative values mm-hmm. and everything, and you want to keep your own wealth, mm-hmm. and you don't want to vote on policies that's going to destroy your wealth, I'm saying if if he is the nominee and you vote against him, I'm saying after these processes. Well, but you also all right, so right, but you're saying a vote against him. You also included yeah. in that initially. You said to not vote for either of them. So yeah. that includes well, me, because I didn't vote for him. I didn't vote against him. I, I abstained from the race because I did not care for either of the candidates, and the Libertarians put Gary Johnson up again, and so I was like, no, I can't do it. So, uh, I, so I just abstained. I didn't want anything to do with the race. And so, I'm, so now I'm responsible for, the, for your 401k tanking? Well, I mean, it... it, it, it Allowing liberal policies to go in place. How, I mean, how does that work out for you? No, I, I oppose them. Absolutely. And I voted against them every other chance I got. But no, I'm, I didn't vote for Trump the first time. I didn't vote for him the second time. And he's not the nominee yet for a third time. So I don't know. I'm not going to decide on what to do until the time comes where I have to decide what to do. Because I'm not even so sure Biden is going to be the nominee at that point. So... I mean, we're still two way, two years away from this. I don't need to stake out any kind of ground right now. It's two years away. But this is what I mean. That's why Trump made the announcement is to to make people stake out their uh, uh, their their claim here and to back him or not. And I'm not going to play that game. I don't do well with people telling me that I have to do something generally. So uh, yeah, so I'm going to reject the 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 false deadline. It's a it's a sales tactic. You know, we're going to put you on a clock to make it. Uh, put make you know make you uh, feel the pressure to decide something earlier than you might otherwise. But I reject the idea that my vote is owed to either of the two parties because not voting for that's like going into a restaurant and saying, okay, you can either have well to use a South Park example, you can have a poop sandwich or uh, let's call it a poop taco. Well, no, thank you, I don't want a poop sandwich or a poop taco, and I don't have to choose one or the other. Well, and, I mean, but if you allow the Democrats... I didn't allow them. How did I allow them? Well, I mean, you know, you're not... You, 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 if you're conservative and you want to keep your own money, you are. How did I allow left-wing politicians to get elected by not giving a vote to either one of them? I understand that there's a positive case, like if I give you my vote, that's a vote of endorsement, and it makes Trump more likely to win... If I'm in a state that he's going to lose, I'm not in a state he's going to lose. So why does that matter? Well, I just, you know, I, it just goes down to people that say they vote out of hatred. And I, that, that's my, basically my point. My point is if, if you hate someone uh, and you're, you're going to uh, allow their opponent to get in that's going to destroy your wealth, I, it's just it's hard for me to... To, to grasp on your reason. There are people who are, I don't hate Donald Trump. There are people that uh, are single issue voters, like let's, uh, abortion, right? Single issue voters, pro or con, right? And that's the, that's the only thing that matters to them is that issue. So if, they, if they've got a choice between a pro-life Democrat, which I know they don't even really exist, versus a pro-choice Republican, if they're a single issue voter, would you begrudge them for voting for the Democrat because that's their issue? I apologize, my GPS was on a little bit while we were talking. Oh. But, uh, the single-issue voter, you know... Uh, Do you begrudge a pro-life single-issue voter if they chose a pro-life Democrat over a pro-choice Republican? Uh, 
I mean, that's comparing apples to apples on the issue. No, if they're if they're a single issue voter, that's what you're describing for me about Donald Trump versus Joe Biden is like you're like you view this as a single issue. It's Trump versus Biden. I look at I look at other issues besides the individual people. And the most compelling uh, reason I heard was for the for the courts. Sure. But there my my vision is limited government. That's that's the big issue for me. And Donald Trump does not exhibit limited government principles very often. He just doesn't. And and I think that's just because he's, you know, a former Democrat from New York. And I think like that's kind of that's just kind of his worldview. I know a lot of uh, uh, baby boom Democrats from New York and they view government differently than I do. That's my issue. So I don't like either one of them. Would you be so? But but you begrudge me not giving support to the guy just what so he could get one extra vote in North Carolina where he already got the electoral votes. I also and I also don't think that that's a winning message if you're trying to persuade people to vote for a guy that they didn't like for the last two elections. But I, I appreciate the call, Ralph. I do, and, and I understand like you're trying to get support for your guy. I don't I don't know if that's the best way to go about it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Noam Blum, a.k.a. Neon Taster. I don't know. He's, he's a writer. He's a gamer guy. Anyway, he said, if Republicans move on from Trump, the people whose entire careers revolve around saying that Republicans will never move on from Trump won't have careers anymore. Just keep that in mind. It's so true. I am so sick of watching these guys on social media and on the, the cable news channels and their entire career at this point and for the last five years, and I'm talking about guys like Rick Wilson and uh, Tom Nichols and Alyssa Farah, all three of them, I, all three of them I have interacted with. I've had them on the show. Alyssa Farah used to work for the Freedom Caucus. She used to be one of Mark Meadows's the contacts. I would deal with her all the time. And now they went full never Trump. And it's like, holy cow, your entire career is built around making everything about Donald Trump. And if Trump doesn't win, like, I, I really believe that the people like the ones I just mentioned, they, and the, the whole cast of The View, basically, they need Donald Trump. Like Colonel Jessup on that wall, right? They need Donald Trump. That's their brand. That's all they've got. And they're just like, you, you, you got to listen to me. Donald Trump is an existential threat. That's all that they do. That's their entire bag. And they just keep going on the same shows. And, I mean, on the one hand, it's pretty remarkable that – you can do the same show every single day and still get the ratings that Joy Reid gets. All right, that's not fair. That's not fair. But still, you could do the same show every single day, days and days and days, or like Max Boot and um, uh, Charlie Sykes and Jennifer Rubin. They can write the same columns every single time and still get a paycheck for that. It's really amazing. Let me go over here to Jim. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hey. Yeah. Um, Pete, I've had several conversations with you, particularly about ed, public education in North Carolina. But, and I made this comment to Winterboy late yesterday about who you're going to watch the Trump inauguration or re, you know rerun. And yeah, I'm for it. And the reason I am 
And the reason I'm so sanguine anymore, almost ambivalent about politics going forward, until the government loses control of Social Security, Medicare, and all involvement in public education, the government's going to control the population. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I agree with you, Trump, that didn't say one thing about those programs. I think he mentioned uh, education last night. He did talk about education. He, he did. He also talked about crime. Mm-hmm. He also talked about housing. And there, there's a, just a, a, a absolute disaster in the western part of the United States and the northern part of the United States. It's starting to develop right here with people just living on the street. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the, the, these and five million people in the last twenty four months walking across the border. Mm-hmm. These things will destroy the country. Uh, I heard the, I heard the word balkanized. I think Winterbull used yesterday. Mm-hmm. I like that word balkanized because over half of the country is already either employed by the government directly or indirectly or getting a check. Okay, the seventy cents of every dollar when you go vote every two or four years, is already allocated and spent as far in the future as we can see. Mm-hmm. The politicians and the government, the administrative state, uses it to control the people and the population and the agenda. Until that changes, forget about it in this country, voting for anybody. Most of the money that's raised, Pete, hundreds of millions of dollars, your company and media is one of the main beneficiaries of mm-hmm. that. It goes into, and I'm not, I mean, you're, I'm glad you're getting paid. No, well, it thanks. goes right into advertising, just bombarding us with, uh, with all kinds of campaign ads. Mm-hmm. Okay? Almost most of it meaningless. So until those three, and I have not, I have yet to hear a candidate. I've heard a few glimmers here and there talking about trying to get control of those programs so that there is true a chance for true liberty and freedom again in this country. Until that stops and ends, I'm sorry, I don't care who's the president. Obama, just days before this election, gave the, he was yelling at the top of his lungs about having your Social Security taken away from you. I've been getting Social Security now for five years. Every time I get a check automatically deposited right into my account, you know, I, I'm, I'm just so, and I have yet to sign up for any extra Medicare. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to participate in it. So the the Medicare uh, attack line, you know where that came from, right? You know why that was, you know why that was uh, uh, util- able to be utilized against the Republicans? That was Rick Scott. Rick Scott, who disagreed with Mitch McConnell. Over McConnell's view on uh, on the reelection was let's just run against Biden. It's just a referendum on Biden. We don't need a message. We don't need a vision. We don't have to tell anybody what we're for and against or anything like that. It's just a referendum yeah. on Biden. And Rick Scott yeah. said, "No, we should have a vision." He laid one out, and in it was the sunsetting of a one hundred percent participation. I think there were some. I didn't go deep dive on this stuff because I didn't think it, I didn't think it was going to matter. Um, because I don't think Rick Scott's going to become the uh, the majority leader in the House or the Senate, rather. So uh, the plan was to and look. I support this. Let people take some of their money out of the system. Just start there. Just let me take. That was the George W. Bush idea, right? Just let me take yeah. a small portion of what you're taking. Just let me take like five percent, and I can do something else with it. And this way, See? and we get to test it and see how it works. 
Pete, every human being walking the country today alive is going to deal with those three things in his life. Yeah. You're going to deal with some kind of retirement. You're going to have to have it if you get old enough. You're going to have to deal with health care. You're going to have to deal with education, either private or public. You've got to have them to exist. The government knows this. That's why Obamacare was pushed like crazy by Obama, just to get more control in the right. system. Right. This was the, yeah, Ted Kennedy laid this out when he lost and the deal I with want to Nixon. Make one comment yeah. about DeSantis and McCrory indirectly. Okay. Two very successful governors. Uh, of course, McCrory Corey got defeated, what, at midnight with an extra 100,000 votes? Yeah. Well, no, he lost yeah. by 10,000 votes. Yeah. Well, both, both of those governors, as successful as they are, revenues are growing like crazy in these states. They still have ultimate control of their education systems. I don't see any difference between the two of them about private, getting the government out of Social Security, Medicare, and public education. Well, so first the off... The government won't control my life. Who can all right, Jim, Jim, hang on. First off, governors can't really control the Social Security or Medicare stuff, right? That's Well, that, they can indirectly. Well, There's let's talk about the things that they can... Let's hold them accountable for the things that they can directly affect. So education, they can't get the federal government out of it as a governor, right? But what they can do is move more towards uh, voucher programs, which uh, Florida has been, I mean, Florida was the leader in the charter school movement. Uh, they've, they've got a voucher program down there. I would like to see more along those lines. And I think some states do have governors that are moving in that direction. What do see, I believe, uh, in Arizona, right? Didn't he do something? He made it, I think Iowa is another one that's moving more towards that. So, I mean, it, like, that's the thing about conservatism, though, is you want incremental change. You don't want the sweeping changes. So yeah. I applaud every, every you know, uh, step along the path that gets us to where we want to go. Yeah, well, none of these states stop increasing their revenues. They keep coming in more and more and more, as does the federal government. The, the federal government's been setting almost daily, if not weekly, uh, 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 total revenue yeah. increase. Records just for the past year, right? But that's because five trillion dollars, right? But the revenue, but in North Carolina, the revenue increases have come because of the tax cuts that Republicans put in place in the legislature, and it comes, huh? Bull. No, sales tax keeps going up, and it keeps the sales tax has not gone up. They actually, the sales tax went down in North Carolina. No, it did not. It may have gone up in your county. It may. Okay, Jim. Then it, Jim, Jim, you got it, Jim. We got to be clear on the things that you can control versus the things you cannot. The legislature, Jim, the thing. Okay, Jim, Jim. Okay. The state reduced the sales tax when Republicans took over. The state reduced the sales tax and it reduced the income taxes. It's still doing so on corporate level and at the individual level. There are local option sales taxes that are in place. Absolutely. That would be the locals. That would be the locals who can who ask for that from the legislature. They get their local delegation to sign on to it. That's how those become the law, right? You know this. So I'm not sure what McCrory or DeSantis can do about that. The tax cuts have generated increased revenues. Oh, and then, by the way, the North Carolina Republican legislature, put they, they built a reserve fund filled that up for, you know, rainy days and hurricanes and disasters and maybe an economic downturn. And then they also took the money and gave it back in tax cuts and refunds. So they're, they're constantly trying to reduce that. The, the, but when you reduce the income taxes and, and the sales taxes, when you do those reductions, 
Then you end up with more economic activity, and that increases the revenues to the state. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Let's talk 1110-993-WBT. So, uh, the reaction from Democrats regarding Donald Trump's presidential announcement and the mainstream media, but I repeat myself, left-wing activists and such is predictable, right? Pandemonium, outrage, but also happiness, I think, because, you know, Trump prompts the misery in which they enjoy wallowing. Right? They know that the, the prism of Trump that they view everything through will not be shattered. So, yay, we don't have to change anything. Our business model remains intact. <laughs> Ryan Saavedra over at DailyWire.com says when Trump announced his first campaign for president in 2015, he had just turned 69. He immediately directed his attacks at the front runner at that point, Jeb Bush, who he labeled low energy. Trump is now 76 and he would be going on 78 by the time he would be inaugurated if he were to win in 2024. I would also point out that he you know, withheld fire on Ron DeSantis or Glenn Youngkin or anybody else. He didn't go after anybody else, so I think that was uh, that was probably a smart move. Trump's allies say he's the best choice for the party's nomination because he's already held the office and he accomplished numerous feats during his administration, including strength on foreign policy, energy independence, a strong economy, a military that was uh, being revamped and retooled for the wars of tomorrow, and his success in getting three conservative justices on the Supreme Court. By the way, only one former president has ever won the presidency in two non-consecutive terms. That's right. The man, the myth, the legend, Grover Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Trump's announcement also comes amidst a criminal investigation into the way he handled U.S. government records after leaving the White House. And by the way, that's now going to become way messier, way more complicated, way more political now that he is an official declared candidate. Um, one of the responses I saw was from Inez Stepman at uh, the Federalist Claremont Institute International Women's Forum. She says that she uh, uh, Trump told a story about talking with the president of China about uh, how they immediately murder their anybody accused of drug dealing. And uh, she said that she would take the swift execution for drug dealers Trump pitch more seriously if the First Step Act were in one of his administration's two legislative wins and he had not resisted calls to get the guard out to stop the country from being lit on fire in the summer of 2020. And yes, I said so at the time, she says. Um, Rob. Hello, Rob. Welcome to the program. What's going on? Hi there. Hey, I wanted to follow up on what Jim was saying in the call right before your break. He was not entirely wrong. My recollection is that the legislature, and I think it was, it was led by Governor Pat and his team, and it wasn't a bad deal, but for the first time we started uh, taxing labor and we started taxing service. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you get your car serviced and, and the repairman has labor charges, you're paying sales tax. Correct. They and my recollection is mm -hmm. that was not done before. So Correct. I do think he was right in that that was a tax increase. I think the other thing... In hang on, hang on, Rob, hang on. I'll let you get to your second point, but I'm going to address that first because I went over this extensively during the time this was being debated. It's not a, They reduced the sales tax. 
And then they made it apply to all these services that had gotten exemptions because of political clout. That's how that happened. So they said, if all of these are sales and you're taxing these services but not those services, they wanted uniformity across the board. So they lowered the sales tax rates. Remember, there were also uh, chunks of it that were supposed to have sunset but never did. Democrats did these temporary sales tax hikes and then left them in place. Republicans draw the, drew those down. They reduced the sales tax and then they spread it more evenly across all sectors of the economy. And and by the way, I support that because that's fairness. Just because you provide tax services doesn't mean you should get to not charge sales taxes. Anyway, so what's your second point? Well, um, uh, now let me follow up on that. You know, and, and I don't know, and I, I wouldn't split hairs with you, but you know, which brought, did, did the, the sales tax rate decrease? Was that less than or greater than the revenue generated by the new taxes? It was supposed to be revenue okay. neutral. Yeah, it was it, it was designed to be revenue neutral, if I recall correctly. I, I understand. And, and I don't know the answer to that. So, I, you know, I just asked that question. Yeah. The other thing, I think, Real quick, I only have about 15, 20 seconds. I'm, I'm in a high tax, a tax bracket, so I love tax cuts. But we have just flooded the economy for the last few years with federal dollars, right. trillions. And so how much of that has impacted the, the sales tax revenue that we get? Sure. No, it's a, I don't know. No, that's, that's a good point. No, that is. That's a good point. I appreciate the call, Rob. That's a very good point. I would imagine that when you have uh, more sales, when you have when you have inflated currency, you have inflated prices, you would have inflated sales tax revenues. I would assume that to be the case. Yeah. 